women in business and the changes happening in the banking industry to facilitate the growth of their business. Welcome to the Women's Day Special. Good morning, Africa, and welcome aboard your pulse on everything business in Africa. I am Ritha Dong. For more, follow us on Twitter at The K Financial. The 2020 Mastercard Index for Women Entrepreneurs ranked Uganda at 39.6%, Botswana at 38.5%, and Ghana at 36.5% as the world's three leading economies, having the most women business owners. The Mastercard Index for Women Entrepreneurs highlights the vast socioeconomic contribution of women entrepreneurs around the world, as well as provides insight on the factors driving and inhibiting their advancement. The report notes the disproportionate impact of COVID-19 pandemic on women entrepreneurs around the world, with 87% saying that they have been adversely affected. In Ghana, for instance, a sectoral breakdown reveals that a large proportion of women-owned businesses that's at 81.5% operate in highly impacted sectors compared to 50 for men in Uganda. 61% of the women-led small businesses failed to generate income, even as lockdown measures were eased. We are joined by the Executive Director of Ecobank Uganda for this episode. What are some of the biggest challenges women face in running and scaling up their businesses? Um, Of course, women, um, as far as business is concerned, have struggled. And especially women um, right from the start, those that are starting their businesses or those that are at about two to three years old in the business. And they have struggled because of a number of challenges. And one of them has been access to finance and the cost of financing. Uh, the second one, of course, which is really big, uh, that is non-financial, is access to information. And access to knowledge, access to insights that are meant to build their businesses. Uh, The third one that is equally important is access to markets. Uh, For those that are in manufacturing, for those that are in production, for those that are importing, that access to markets is such a big uh, challenge uh, at the moment. In the last three years, we have seen a change in the African banking sector. There's an intentional move away from traditional collateral to options like using local purchasing orders to access finance. What has informed this move? You see, banking and um, especially dealing with uh, the business community and women in particular has actually evolved. That uh, we have moved away from the old and traditional way of banking where collateral or security meant that um, you you needed one for you to access financing. And that has been informed by our approach to product development or the discipline around product solutioning, that we have gone a step further to understand the individual businesses, the the nature of the businesses that we are financing the individuals behind those businesses and in a unique way for us to appreciate what they do, where they are in terms of the stage of their businesses. And because of that, then the need for a physical collateral then tends to fall off because you understand someone's business, you understand the nature of their business, you understand who they do their businesses with. And because most of the businesses and based on the sectors that they do operate in actually are part of a value chain a part of an ecosystem. They're usually doing a business that is going to 
uh, benefit another business. They're going to supply uh, for those that are in, in a, what would call the consumer sector. Uh, they're probably distributors of uh, one of the um, FMCGs. They are probably into construction. And because of that, it means that you can actually use the anchor uh, who is the the initial client or the main client that has provided an opportunity to this SME, that has provided an opportunity to this woman, and you use them as a form of security. So the physical, the need for the physical security falls off. But more importantly, because you understand the business and you understand the business cycle, you can actually access unsecured financing to this business to support, especially the businesses that are fairly new, that do not have collateral, but they need support as they start. The SME sector was one of the hardest hit during the pandemic and using Uganda as a case study, is there a steady path to recovery for this sector and how vital is it to the economy? Uh, you'll be amazed at how much the SMEs actually have you know, grown, regardless of the circumstances or the challenges that we have seen in the last 24 months. And uh, <clears throat> we have, I mean, you see that in terms of the impact that they make on the economy. And minus the last two, you know, if we took out the noise of the last two years, and we'll come back because that was just a challenge, and not only um, to the SMEs, but to the entire world. But um, when you look at what the SMEs do in our economy, for this, for our sector specifically, they do employ close to about, in terms of, about 70, about 70 to 80 percent of the businesses in this country are SMEs. Uh, the other important one is that they do contribute close to 25, if not more, um, 25 percent of our GDP. So there's such a core component of our businesses and our, our economy and our communities. So have they grown in the last 24 months? Probably not, but that was not unique to them. That was rather a common challenge across the economy, across the globe. But when you take that away, there's such a, a critical and key component of our economy uh, in terms of the impact that they have on our communities. Because if you have a sector that employs 80% of your population, you can imagine that has uh, the impact that has on your economy and on the society. A quick review of the other stories making it into the podcast. The South African GDP advanced by 1.2% on quarter in the three months to December of 2021 following an upwardly revised 1.7% contraction in the previous period and slightly below market estimates of 1.3% rise. Five out of 10 activities recorded growth in production, notably agriculture at 12.2%, trade accommodation and catering at 2.9%, manufacturing at 2.8% and personal services at 2.7%. Year on year, the economy expanded by 1.7%, slowing from 2.9% growth in the prior period, matching market forecasts. Considering the full year of 2021, the South African economy grew by 4.9%, recovering from a 6.4% decline in 2020. Airtel Africa said its Kenyan unit, Airtel Kenya Networks Limited, has entered a pact with the Communications Authority of Kenya in respect of its operating and spectrum services. In a regulatory filing to the Nigerian Exchange Limited, Airtel Africa said in respect of settlements regarding its 2015 to 2025 operating and spectrum license, Airtel Kenya will pay 
a total of $20 million in four installments over the next three years in respect to the 10 megahertz license for 2022 to 2032. Airtel Kenya has agreed uh, to pay $10 million for a 10-year license. Both permits, summing up to $30 million, will pave the way for the telco to leverage more opportunities in the East African nation, which is one of its biggest markets by revenue. Airtel Kenya grew revenues by 20.8%, compound annual growth rate between full year of 2018 and full year of 2021. Airtel Africa has its footprint in 14 countries on the continent. American biotechnology firm Moderna will set up a manufacturing facility in Kenya. It's first in Africa to produce messenger RNA vaccines, including COVID-19 shorts. Moderna said it expects to invest about $500 million in the Kenyan facility and supply as many as 500 million doses of mRNA vaccines to the African continent each year. It also has plans to start filling doses of its COVID vaccine in Africa as early as 2023 following a deal with the Kenyan government. Moderna's announcement comes amid mounting pressure on biotech firms to share their expertise with manufacturers in countries that are desperately in need of more coronavirus vaccine doses. And a quick look at the markets. Gold broke decisively above the $2,000 announced, marching toward an all-time high hit in August of 2020 as geopolitical and economic uncertainty surrounding the Russia-Ukraine war lifted demand for the safe haven metal. The ongoing conflict in Ukraine showed no signs of de-escalation, shaking up commodity markets, especially because Russia is such a heavyweight supplier in so many areas and a major gold producer. Surging commodity prices also fueled inflationary and growth concerns, presenting fresh challenges to central banks. Moreover, the London Bullion Market Association suspended six Russian precious metal refiners, prohibiting them from selling gold and silver in the London market. Thank you for always waking up with us. Good Morning Africa is a product of the K Financial. And if you have suggestions or you just want to check out more stories, visit our website. That is thekfinancial.com. And don't forget to subscribe. You can also find us on all social media platforms at the K Financial.